Please be seated. Last year I began the message by saying that uh, last week and this week would be a two-part New Year's message for you since these are the first two times I've preached in 2017. So here is part two. Remember last week our message was about the, the perspective that we should have as God's people as we face the new year, 2017. And here, here is the perspective that, that we discovered in the book of Ecclesiastes. God is sovereign. We are not. Therefore, let us trust him. Now today, I want to suggest the, the action plan uh, for us as a church. That as we live under God's sovereignty, what should be our mission? What should be our priorities as we live? And we find in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 that there are three priorities, three elements to what I'm calling God's marching orders for Covenant Presbyterian Church in the year 2017. And in, in reality, they should be priorities uh, every day of the week for God's people. In 1917, the New York Bible Society contacted former president Theodore Roosevelt and asked him to pen an inscription that would be placed in the front cover of Bibles that then would be distributed to the soldiers as our country prepared to enter World War I. Quite remarkable isn't it? That a former president would be asked to craft a message. And what's more remarkable is the message that President Roosevelt wrote. In fact, he entitled it the Micah Mandate. And these are just the first two lines of the inscription. In fact, the entire inscription is is reprinted for you on your sermon outline. But listen to how our former president, President Theodore Roosevelt, began this message to the troops. The teaching of the New Testament is foreshadowed in Micah's verse. What more does the Lord require of thee than to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? And as a former president, he was not serving as the commander-in-chief in 1917. But his inscription reads much like a commander of a great army giving marching orders to his troops. This is how I want you to fight as you defend the cause of America. He charged his troops to fight consistent with Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. This is how you are to engage the battle. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And so today I want to visit with you a bit about God's marching orders for Covenant Presbyterian Church. How is he calling us to engage the battle, to engage the Christian life, to engage our neighbors, to engage our society, to engage our culture in 2017. What are his marching orders? 
And I would suggest to you the marching orders we find are three. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Before I read the passage of Scripture to you, I'd like to talk with you for just a, just a brief moment about the context of Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. In Micah 6 verses 1 and 2, we find ourselves in a courtroom with God prosecuting a lawsuit against Israel, the people and the leaders, for they have broken the covenant. And so Micah stands as the counselor, the one who is representing God, and the accused is Israel's and Israel's leader for breaking the covenant. And how had they broken the covenant? Well, if you know anything about the history of Israel, you know how apostate Israel became, and at sometimes more apostate, at other times less. But there was rampant unfaithfulness all throughout the theocracy of Israel, especially in the days of the divided monarchy, and even into the days of the prophets. And we really look at Micah as one who is representing, bringing the evidence to bear upon Israel for violating the covenant, violating the Ten Commandments. Israel and the leaders of Israel had not loved God with all their heart. There was idolatrous worship rampant throughout the history of ancient Israel. Even syncretistic worship where the worship of Yahweh was conducted alongside the worship of pagan deities. And of course, not only were the first four commandments, those commandments dealing with love for God as Jesus summarizes them, but also the second part of the Ten Commandments, Commandments 5 through 10 were violated as from the leadership of Israel down to its people, the poor were being neglected, orphans and widows were being neglected. There was social and economic and political injustices being perpetrated against, against the weak, the vulnerable in society. Loving God, loving one's neighbor was ignored. And God brought a lawsuit to bear upon unfaithful Israel. And Micah was the counselor to prosecute it. And the evidence was clear. And here in Micah chapter 6, and especially verse 8, but in the latter part of chapter 6, God is calling Israel to covenant faithfulness. Listen to what he says in verse 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Then the prophet says, he has told you, O man, what is good. In other words, what Micah is saying is he has told you, O man, how to... Be faithful to God's covenant. Not in all of these external rituals that have just been mentioned, but this is what God required for Israel to be faithful to the covenant. 
And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness or mercy and to walk humbly with your, God, with your God? These are our marching orders. And I want to spend a little bit of time unpacking each of those for us today. Let us pray. Father, as we come to this text, we do ask for you, O Lord, to bless us. Show us your glory, to give us your grace, to enable us to continue to live throughout this entire year and the years to come, seeking to please you by doing justice, by loving mercy, and by walking humbly before you. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, you may be asking the question that this this text directs our attention to what happened in Micah's day, which is a very different time than our than our day today and that is really true it it was a different time but in many ways the times haven't changed all that much there were troubling things taking place in Micah's day there were evils being perpetrated against people injustices about And I would say that as we look at our world today, many of those things are present now. So for example, we we look and we, we consider that some go to bed hungry. We find racism, not only here in our country, but throughout the world. We find innocent life in the womb being snuffed out through the evil of abortion. We see examples of where God's people need to do justice to right injustices in our culture today. We find also that there's misery about, misery that needs someone with mercy we, we, we think about those who are struggling with the decision to abort their child or not to abort their child and how much they need someone with mercy to come alongside of them to help them navigate that very difficult situation. We, we, we see many who are lonely We see so many that are struggling with what is true, what is not true, as our country continues to slip further and further away from God's morality. Many live in despair with no hope. Many are in rebellion against God. Maybe it's because they don't really know who God is and the offer that is placed before them to have life and life abundantly. There are many young people today who are re- were raised in the church and are now rejecting the church. And they need someone to come alongside them with not only justice but mercy. So many alienated from God because of sin that need someone to direct them to mercy. 
and maybe in our own church there are injustices that need to be righted and needs that need someone to show mercy to alleviate that, that misery. Our culture is infinitely advanced from the culture of Micah's day. But, but the core issues of human societies, the difficulty of injustices that need justice, misery that needs mercy, faithlessness that must be corrected by faithfulness are as true today as it was in Micah's day. We trust our sovereign God, and those who trust him naturally want to please him, want to be about what he has called us to be about in our world today. And in these words of Micah, we find God calling us in light of the injustices and the misery and the faithlessness to stand for justice, to stand as those who love to show mercy, to stand as those who are devoted to God. So that's our outline today. And I want to begin by looking at justice. Our marching orders is to do justice. Well, what does it mean? Justice really means this. Take a stand for the truth. God is absolutely just. Psalm 89.4, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And God's people are to reflect his justice by doing justice as Micah 6.8 has called us to do. You know, as we've reflected upon the context of Micah 6.8, violation of the Ten Commandments, Jesus summarizing the Ten Commandments, love for God, commandments 1 through 4, love for one's neighbor, commandments 5 through 10. We see justice coming into play as we uphold the Ten Commandments. So, for example, doing justice is honoring your father and mother. Doing justice is not murdering. Doing justice is being faithful to your marriage vows and not committing adultery, not stealing, not bearing false witness, not, not coveting. When we look at justice, it bears upon how we treat other people, how we treat our neighbor. And we are called, even commanded, to be people of justice, champions for truth. Champions for truth first in our own hearts, and then champions for truth with relationship to our neighbors. And who are our neighbors? Everyone with whom we have contact. So when we talk about justice, we're not simply talking about doing justice within the household of faith, but doing justice to everyone in the world. And I just want you to think about what does everyone, who is included in everyone in the world? Think about that. And that person is the one that you are to do justice with. And what is justice? It's, it's simply standing for the truth. It, it, it's, seek, it's seeking not to wrong anyone and to do right by everyone, to uphold God's truth in that relationship to be just. There are so many 
aspects of our society today that I believe are vulnerable to injustices. Let me just name a few of them. Those who are politically and economically powerless, the poor, homeless, widows, and orphans, those who are guests in our country that the Bible speaks of foreigners and strangers, international people here for school, business, all sorts of reasons. Those also who are deemed uh, to be intolerant because they are out of accord with the mainstream of thought in the public square. There, there are just many examples of groups of people that are vulnerable to suffering injustices in our land today. But let me tell you the greatest category of person that is subject to injustice in our land today. And it's the unborn. Abortion is a matter of justice. The charge against Israel in Micah 6, verses 1 through 2, was directed especially at the leaders of Israel because they were leading the people not to be fully devoted to God. And in fact, King Ahaz stole from Naboth, stole his vineyard, violating the second part of the commandment, not doing justice to Naboth. He did wrong by Naboth. But perhaps the most egregious example that I can give of a leader of Israel perpetrating an injustice and leading his people to do the same is what took place under Ahaz and other kings of Israel when they condoned, if not encouraged, and participated in the pagan worship of the god Moloch. And part of that worship was the sacrifice of infants on the sacrificial fires taking place right outside the city wall of Jerusalem. A violation of the sixth commandment as well as a violation of commandments one through four. And I'll simply say this, Ahaz represents a leader of Israel who disobeyed God, who violated the covenant as if he were on steroids. Because I can't think of anything more deplorable than to take an infant either offered up willingly by the mother or snatched out of the mother's hands and throw that infant on a pile of coals to be burned alive for false worship, for idolatry's sake. Do you have a better example of a deplorable act of injustice than that? Our day is not unlike ancient Israel when it comes to injustices. And the greatest injustice being brought to bear upon 
those who cannot defend themselves, the weakest among us, the, the most vulnerable among us, in particular, the unborn. And what are we to think of a country like ours that has legalized the right of a woman to obtain an abortion, protected by our Constitution? We don't live in a theocracy like Israel was, ancient Israel. But this is an abomination upon our land. How might we be a champion for justice in this injustice? of abortion. Embrace God's truth about the sanctity of life ourselves and be consistent by living according to it and speaking out about it. Support organizations that are ministering to mothers with unwanted babies but are willing to carry their baby to term so the baby could be put up for adoption. We need to support those organizations and ministries. Be pro-adoption. Be pro-foster care. Be active as a good Bible-believing Christian in the political process and seek by all good and honorable political means to work and support efforts to overturn Roe v. Wade. It's not a political issue. It's an issue of biblical truth. It's an issue of God's morality. And as Christians, we have a right to take a stand against it, to bring justice to bear, not man's justice, but God's justice to bear upon this blight on our land. And to pray. In summary, Maybe the greatest thing that we can do is to continue praying and to ask God to give us the wisdom to know how to champion justice with regards to these issues of the sanctity of life. Be a defender of those who are unable to defend themselves and thus do justice in our land. President Roosevelt said this, do justly and therefore fight valiantly against those who stand for the reign of Moloch and Beelzebub on this earth. What a prophetic sentence Roosevelt wrote that points directly to our day with regards to justice and the need to stand and do justice against those who would promote Moloch and Beelzebub in our own day. These are stern words I have spoken. I speak them unapologetically because they represent my understanding of God's truth on the sanctity of life as it relates to justice. 
May we be faithful to God's covenant and tenaciously, tenaciously hold to the truth and do justice to the poor, do justice to those who are foreigners and strangers in our land, do justice to the homeless, do justice to the unborn. Our marching orders are to do justice and second, to love mercy. And this means that we're concerned about other people's welfare. God is merciful. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 speaks of God being rich in mercy by uniting us to Christ. We've been given mercy and because of that, we are those who are merciful. The beatitude, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And it's interesting that Micah does not merely say, hey, be merciful, have compassion, you know, feel, feel sorrowful for someone who, who needs mercy. Notice what he says. He says that we are to love mercy. And love is an action word. In, in, in other words, we are to, mercy really is like love. It's action not just simply a mindset of uh, compassion. And Christ really shows us what, what mercy looks like, what the action of being merciful looks like. Remember in Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ loved us so much that he, this boggles my mind, he loved offering up his body as a sacrifice. He loved shedding his blood for you and me. He loved showing us mercy, alleviating our need because of our sin, giving us, alleviating our fear of death and giving us hope and life. Love, mercy, God tells us. And the leaders of ancient Israel only loved themselves. In fact, the text tells us in the first few verses of Micah 6 that they enriched themselves. They fed themselves. They really didn't care for those who had true need. Mercy is simply defined alleviating another's misery. Excuse me. And the text calls us to love doing that, to love coming alongside someone to alleviate their misery. And, and as we look at, at Jesus' words about coming to serve, not to be served, another way to think about loving mercy is simply be, loving being a servant to others. And it's interesting that as we, as, as we look at loving mercy and being a servant to others and having other, other people's needs before ours, and my mind's immediately taken to the, the Good Samaritan, where there the Good Samaritan was not asking the question, is this guy my neighbor or not? No, he was neighborly. And to the stranger, he showed him mercy. He served the stranger who had been beaten up by the robbers. And that's a lesson for us today, that we show mercy. We are to show mercy and to love to show mercy to anyone we come in contact with. The elderly, those of other races, the foreigner, the homeless, the hungry, even those who are against Christ, those who persecute us, 
those who have a lifestyle different from ours, like the, like, like the homosexual, those who are hungry, those who are widows and orphans, all of those with whom we come in contact with, though they may not kind of meet our idea of I want to hang out with this person, but nonetheless we are charged to show them mercy. It's not enough simply to see a need and to feel bad about it. God calls us to love, to actually serve in that midst. And one of the things that, that I must bring up today is mercy means that we serve those women who have had abortions. We show them mercy. Think of the emotional and physical trauma. Think of the need there. I think the church has failed miserably at showing mercy to those who suffer the consequences of, of wrong decisions. And may it not be that case for covenant. We need to show mercy with those who disagree with our view of the Bible, especially on this topic of the sanctity of life. So you're on Facebook. What are you, how are you going to respond to someone who differs from you? Lash out like so many people do. With just simply hard-heartedness or will you love to show mercy even on Facebook? And you know what, dear friends, I'll simply be straightforward with you. Sometimes I think the hardest thing to do on Facebook is to be merciful because of all the hard comments that are made, not one side or another, but all sides. We should be admonished. As with just, justice, mercy relates to how we treat our neighbor. The second half of the Ten Commandments. Roosevelt wrote this. I, I love this as part of that inscription he wrote to go in those Bibles. Love mercy. Treat your enemies well. Suffer the afflicted. Treat every woman as though she were your sister. Care for the little children. Rescue the perishing and be tender with the old and helpless. We plead for mercy and we receive it from God. We can do no less but to show mercy and to love to show mercy. And then finally, our marching orders includes not only doing justice and loving mercy, but walking humbly with God. And you know, humility is really about dependence. And when I, when I look at this, this statement, walk humbly with God, to me, it really means that we are to be totally dependent upon God. In other words, we are to live by faith in him and him alone, fully devoted to him. The history of ancient Israel from the leadership all the way down is one of autonomy. They did what was right in their own eyes. They disobeyed uh, God. They were not exactly walking humbly uh, by, by faith, depending on him. Another example of this is Jeroboam, the first king of Israel under the divided Monarchy who set up places of worship in, in Dan and, and Bethel that was precisely against God's, God's law. He showed autonomy in doing that. We think of the autonomy in the Garden of Eden, the fall of mankind, Adam and Eve. Autonomy, not being totally dependent and devoted to God, is exactly what we're called not to do 
here in Micah. Micah calls us to faith. He calls us to total dependence upon God. He calls us to devotion to God, resting in Him and trusting Him. And we can only do justly as we are living by faith, only as we have received the grace of God through Jesus Christ that has changed us and transformed us and given us the ability to love God and to love His truth, to receive mercy and to be those who love to show mercy, those who seek for God to over and over again well up our desire and passion for Him that, that we would be devoted to him and we can only be faithful in doing justice and loving mercy if we are really totally dependent upon God living by faith I mean what type of church do we want to be first and foremost I want us to be a church that is faithful to God's covenant because out of faithfulness we are able to do justice we're able to love mercy. And we're able to keep seeking God to make us more and more faithful as a church. Listen to what Roosevelt wrote as he concluded his, his inscription. Walk humbly. You will do so if you study the life and teaching of the Savior. Walking in his steps. The foes of our own household will surely prevail against us unless there be in our people an inner life which gives its outward expression in a morality like unto that preached by the seers and the prophets of God. And as I've reflected upon uh, this passage of Scripture, just thinking about what kind of church do I want us to be, I think these words from Roosevelt are incredibly in instructive uh, for us, just to help us understand more what, what Micah has told us here in verse 8. Seeking God first and foremost in everything walking humbly before him this is part of our marching orders so how can we be encouraged to to fulfill this to do justice to love mercy to walk humbly before you I've been thinking about this for some time and I think it's easy for us just to be rocking along, doing the Christian life, doing the church thing, and kind of lose sight of, of these priorities that God has set for us, for his people, for, for every church. And so there have been a group of us working to organize and, and do, we, we did some of these last year, what we're, we're calling Mill and Ministries, M&Ms, where we, every other month we get together, we, we share a meal together, and, and then we, we, we focus on a ministry, a, a way that, that we can tangibly seek to do justice, to love mercy, and seek God to make us faithful to who he is and all that he's called us to do as a church. And today we're focused on international friendship outreach, uh, a, a way that, that we can be encouraged to do justice and mercy just by having a friendship, a friendship with someone from a different country that is our guest here in this land. And what a privilege it is, it is for us just to come alongside our international guest and befriend them. Really just out of our love for God. 
to do justice and to love mercy. To be thinking about other people. The days to come, we're, we'll be look, or the months to come, every other month we'll do one of these mill and ministries. We'll, we'll look at uh, the care bags that the Ruth Care Group provide, uh, make for the Salvation Army. We'll look at our step inner city ministry. We'll be, we'll be coming together to make uh, care bags that we can hand out to needy people that we come across just as we're traveling about our city. We'll focus again on the issue of hunger in September. Then in November, again, we'll look at the Christmas child. And I simply say that, dear friends, is that I want us to get serious <laughs> about these marching orders that we find in Micah 6 and verse 8 this year. All under God's sovereignty. And think what, what God might do in your life. Think what God might do in our lives. Think what God might do in our children's lives. Because every one of these Millen Ministry events is for the entire family. Where the children are involved. And that we can demonstrate to our children. We can remind our children of do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. So if you don't care about those things and you have children, at least come for your children. I'm just kidding. We should all care about that. But what I'm saying is this is a win-win situation for our church to be focused on these marching orders from the coming years. God is sovereign and we are not. Therefore, let us trust him. And as we trust him, he will give us all that we need that we might Fulfill the marching orders, the priorities that he has set before his people to do justice, to love mercy, and to keep on walking humbly before him, being devoted to him. Let us pray. Father, we ask for you to work in and through us. We ask, O oh Lord, for you to give us grace. We ask, O oh Lord, for you to build in us a greater passion for what pleases you, that your people would stand for truth, put others' needs before their own, and be fully devoted to you, that we might be faithful to you and to your covenant. And we pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.